It is Dynasty Podcasts. My name is Haima Black. Today, got a special interview with Tim McElrath of Rise Against, recorded in June of 2021. Parts of this interview made it into my Rise Against cover story for Illinois Entertainer in July of this year, but the whole interview has not been heard until now. Enjoy. So let's just kind of start at the beginning here. Before we get right to the album, I was curious, like, what was the pandemic year like for you and and how did that impact Rise Against? Mm, Yeah. So we finished the album right at the top of the pandemic. So the album itself wasn't interrupted by it. We were already pretty hard at work at it before it all happened. And so we were going to be sort of dormant at the top of the lockdown anyway, as like we prepared for the record and the tour. And so it didn't change our calendar right away, but then obviously it did change our calendar, (laughs) you know, as it uh, dragged on for a lot longer than any of us anticipated. So that was when I know for me personally, like I was like, oh, like we're not touring this year. We're not putting a record out like we thought we were going to. The whole year is changing. Um, what are we going to do this year? You know, what am I going to do this year? And I guess the answer for me is I was spent a lot of time at home. I actually re-enrolled in college. So I went back to school in that time and kind of just like it was a combination of like staying busy with like other things and also just sort of allowing myself to kind of like relax and unplug and just like we've been on that treadmill of like write record tour you know for a a long time (laughs) yeah i mean i was gonna say probably since since i've known you for yeah better part Mm -hmm. of two decades and yeah totally really quickly you know i know we're here to talk about the record but re-enrolling in college what was the mindset behind that or or, yeah i don't know if you want to talk about that but i just think that's interesting yeah, like I feel like it's something I always wanted to do. The band kidnapped me when I was a junior in college. <laughs> so I was like, I'd already sort of done some of it. And I always talked about, you know, one day I'll go back and I'll finish what I started, you know, and that never, that moment never came. And obviously the pandemic provided that moment. All of a sudden I was like, oh, well, I've talked about this. Like what better time than now? It was also like, I feel like as an artist, you are and a creative person. Your life is switches back from input to output, you know, like your output is the album we just made, No Our Generation or whatever we do, we go on tour, we perform, we create, we express ourselves, but you need input for output. You, know, you need to like go see shows, listen to music, like watch films, read books, go to a museum, you know, you need things that inspire you. And I think the album was so exhausting to make like they all are, that I wasn't ready for more output you know what I mean? Like, I, like everybody was like, oh, did you make, did you create in that time? And I was like, I wasn't really ready to create. I needed input. And so I was ready to be the guy listening to somebody else rather than the guy talking. Well, and like you said, Rise Against has really, I mean, I feel like since, I mean, really since the first record, but especially like Revolutions Per Minute when like that started to get people's attention. And I think that was when you did Warped. It's like, it has been nonstop for you. So it's like, I think it's incredible you guys have been able to make that many records in that time because yeah, there's you have to fit a lot of living, I imagine, into a short amount of time between those tours and the and the creation sessions. Yeah, it's really it's kind of madness when you look back on it all and think about what we did and then manage to like manage to, you know, create this band and all the albums we made, but still like raise families and have some semblance of normalcy. Like there's a lot of different balls that you're that you're juggling. And so, yeah, the, the pandemic was like a good moment to kind of give ourselves permission to kind of like, you know, we probably, I think we needed that year off and we were never going to give it to ourselves, you know? Yeah, I a hundred percent know what you mean. 
Mm-hmm. Now, a few weeks ago, we briefly saw each other. You did a in-store at Reckless and um, in Wicker Park. Yeah. And that was the day of the record release. Like, granted, that was a very small crowd compared to what Rise Against usually performs in front of or what you perform in front of is like 50 people in a record store. But how did it feel to just be performing again in any capacity after that year and change off? You know, it was crazy. And it didn't hit me until I was sitting right there in front of everybody, like on that stool and, and Reckless in front of like what you said, like 50 people. Because there was a time in my life where doing that was a very normal part of my routine. You know, you could kind of, you can kind of put me in front of a crowd and I'll figure it out, you know? And when I got there, I was like, oh, like, right. We haven't done this in a long time. <laughs> and so those 50 people felt like 5,000 people, you know, it felt like, oh, right, we're here. It's no longer, there's no longer this, you know, the, the screen and the camera, you know? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> it was in real life. And so it was one of those moments where it all was happening so fast. I didn't get a chance to take stock of it, but I could feel like that. Oh, wow. Like that electricity of like doing something live, like that pressure, like in a good way, you know, it was, I don't know. It reminded me like, okay, we're going to reboot this thing and we're going to come back and do this. And at the same time, like a little overwhelming, you know, cause we've all spent so much time alone to do all that, that day. It was like, it was an interesting, it was a good like appetizer for what, we're eventually going to get back into, you know? Well, and, and my perspective being in the crowd, it's like, I feel like everyone in that room appreciated that so much after not being in any environment with live music, not getting to see their favorite artists for, you know, over a year. And I think before the pandemic, you might've gone to a concert or a in-store or what have you. And maybe you're on your phone half the time and everybody in that room, it was like, they were there for opening day of star Wars. Like they were just like, you were the attraction. They were just like, holy shit, we get to be in the room with live music again. We get to see Rise Against again. Like, I think everyone in the room, yourself included, appreciated it on a on a much deeper level after not being able to access that for so long. Yeah, and I, and me included. I appreciated it more than I've ever appreciated like a, a record signing acoustic performance in the past. Most of the time, it's just kind of this thing that we do before the show. You know, like sort of like this. It's like a, a precursor or like a supplement to whatever event that we're doing that weekend or whatever. And all of a sudden that became the event, you know, it was like, Oh, this is huge. This is like so important. And to see our fans and their faces and hear their voices and do it all again in real life. was like not knowing if this day was ever going to come, you know, it was pretty, pretty special. Well, and the other thing that was of course notable about that day, I mean, there were a couple things notable because that was the day of the record release, of course, but also the really cool thing in Chicago was that uh, mayor Lori Lightfoot declared it rise against day in Chicago right Just yeah mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I was gonna say what is how did that come together and what was your reaction when you found out i feel like i'm, I'm still doing the the research to figure out how the heck that came together because it was a it was a surprise to us you know like whoever was working out was not letting us know so we were like when the call came it was like wait what like a day you know like that's crazy you know seeing the paperwork of like her signature and the formality of the contract that's huge because Rise Against has always existed, like to me, like on the outside of like establishments, the outside of like, you know, what I think of as a, as a giant city like Chicago. I don't think of, of our name in like a list of names of like the incredible things Chicago has produced. And so the day kind of like made it like, oh, wow, like, yeah, like we, we have been doing this in this city for a long time. And it's cool for something as big as the city to, to recognize it. Definitely nothing we ever anticipated when we started this band 
Well, and I was going to say you and Joe, you still live in the Chicagoland area. It's like you guys could have easily when, you know, when that first DreamWorks record came out or, or, you know, whatever label it was like, you could have easily just bounced to L.A. You know, you could have been like, yeah, great. We played some fireside shows. We're out of here now. But it's like you guys stayed in Chicago. And I think that's really cool because not every band that hits the Rise Against level stays here. You know, I think that counts towards something towards you guys getting a day. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I think it's I think if I, if I saw another band get the day and I knew none of them lived here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd be like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, I think rise against we always did everything a little bit different we never followed like the trajectory that bands are supposed to follow and even if we felt pressure to move to la or do that which which existed it was something about we always felt the need to have an anchor you know and that was the anchor became in the form of punk rock and hardcore community and always been a foot there we came with our friends and our crew or our studio and then it came for me and joe like just like staying in chicago you know it felt like let's let's not get lost in this wave, you know, because we don't need it. You know, we just need this. We need our band, we need our music. And so whatever helps us sort of like focus on that. Yeah. It's always been very bare bones. Something that stood out to me when I was listening to this record, of course, preparing for this and just, just listening to it in general, is like you guys still sound, I mean, you and the band, you're still so like angry is maybe not the right word, but it's like, there's so much energy and agitation and I think a lot of bands, by the time they get to like their ninth record or what have you, it's like they're kind of on autopilot. Like, why do you think that you and, and the band in general still have so much kind of fire behind you? Mm, I mean, it's a great question. I, to me, my what I, I think that like the band exists on the fuel that the world gives us in forms of like injustice and things that aren't fair and things we want to think about. And the world is in no shortage of that fuel right now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So we are just a machine that runs on that. And they give us more than enough to sing about. And so I guess that would be that. That's why, because, you know, until these things we sing about are alleviated until there is like, you know, an antidote for injustice. Like, I think that our songs are going to be there. And I think that at that point, it's just a matter. It's just a matter of whether you still care about it or not. You know what I mean? And like for us, like we still care about it. Our fans are our connection to like the next generation, the next link. And so we care about, they help us care about it because we are like in touch with like what they're going through, what their experience is. So they keep us young in that way. So yeah, I guess they're just things that we still care about and we still get riled up, you know, like anybody else does. And being an American political punk rock band, in the last four years, there's a lot of really low hanging fruit to sing about, you know? So. Well, yeah. I mean, Rise Against came up during the Bush era and then, and then we kind of like things were far from perfect, but it's like, we did have a, it felt like a little bit of a break where we could breathe a bit easier. And then it was just like, you know, you were taking a nap in the car and all of a sudden there's a car crash, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's so um, true. I think that with Rise Against too, we've, we've tried to sing songs that are not so timestamped to like the era and more singing about like the ideologies that exist beneath the surface, you know, like every, pre we've now been, like we started when Clinton was still president, you know, and so oh, yeah. we, we were kind of right there with Bush and 9-11, we were still a young band, it was all happening at the same time, so that's where we cut our teeth, um, but I think we realized, you know, these presidents are going to come and go, they have come and gone, but these ideologies, you know, are going to stay, you know, are going to stay there, and that's the stuff that like we always wanted to, to sing about. Well, and along those lines, you know, 
I think two songs like Nowhere Generation and The Numbers, those, as much as anything you guys have produced over the years, it just feels like those are such, I think, an encapsulation of what Rise Against is really about at its core. It's like those almost feel like a mission statement. Like, what do those two songs mean to you? Yeah, I think mission statement is a great, a great way to put it. We're always trying to double down, you know what I mean, on our mission. We're also always, also always trying to explain who we are to like the incoming freshman class you know like we always want to like put our flag down okay all right maybe you know who we are maybe you don't but here's a reminder of who we are or if you're new here this is what we do and what we sing about so if you identify with that like come with us and if you don't there's plenty of other bands out there you know what i mean but it's like if you're a part of this like we want to be that landing pad when you come in and so we're always kind of i think the records and the songs are always like a beacon. They're always this like lighthouse for like wayward ships. So, like we want to try to see like if there's somebody out there lost, we want to make sure like, yo, like we're here, we're here for you. You know, there's a community of us here. And if you want to get on board, like come check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Another song that I think is a standout is Forfeit. And, and you know, you've been writing ballads for, you know, years. I mean, I don't know if ballads is or isn't a dirty word, but, you know, you've been writing songs that have kind of a softer, more maybe lush arrangement, you know, going back for a long time. You did the Ghost Note symphonies. Why is it important to you and and for the band for Rise Against to kind of have a more, you know, I don't want to say softer side, but just, you know, a different side where not every song is as loud and in your face and direct? Yeah, something I've loved with Rise Again since the day we started is we never really like put any limits on what we we're gonna do. Cause even like, so we started like, like 99, like 2000. And even the scenes back then that we were into were very um, walled off. You know, you did this or you did this or you did this. You went to this kind of show, you dressed like this and either you couldn't intersperse between the scenes, you know? And I think with Rise Against, we were like, we're gonna do a poppy song. We're gonna do a hardcore song. I'm gonna scream, I'm gonna sing. We're gonna play it fast. We're gonna play it slow. And then, I think we fell backwards into Swing Life Away, like our first like acoustic song, which was just a song that I wrote with no intention of where it would end up. But when I think it was 2002 or three, Fearless Records called us and said, we're doing a Punkos acoustic compilation. Do you have any acoustic songs? And the answer was no, we don't. But then uh, I had written that song and shared with the guys, like, dude, what about that thing that you did on your four track? What if we just like gave him that? And then we have a song on this compilation. You know, we're just trying to get exposure. And it was like, yo, yeah, I'll give him that. And then we gave him that. And then it kind of, I guess the word would be viral today. It kind of went viral and it got a lot of attention. And we ended up re-recording it for our major label debut. And so in that way, it was never like this like strategy or goal. We kind of fell backwards into it, just trying to be part of that compilation. And when the song got big, it gave us permission to do that. You know, it gave us like, oh, like we can do this. I can just pick up an acoustic guitar, play the song and it's still rise against. It's still part of our DNA. It's still part of who we are, you know? And so by falling backwards into that at such an early stage in our career, it's given us permission to kind of go on and do people live here and hero of war or roadside or now with, uh, with forfeit. And I've always loved that dynamic of rise against. I've loved that tool in our tool, tool belt you know, that we can do that. Talking to ourselves, I, I had a question here about whether that was written, you know, about the isolation so many of us were in during the pandemic, but it sounds like this was all written before the pandemic. So did that song after what we've been through kind of 
take on a new meeting where it's like, oh my God, we were all kind of like isolated and literally just kind of like separated from each other for a long time. So many of these songs like took on new meanings for me, like after we finished them and then the world went through so much. And that was definitely one of them, you know, where I, they, this, the record took on like this, like patina almost, you know, where I'm surprised how these lyrics are really talking about what we're going through. And I think that one of the ways to explain that is to think about Rise Against as like a dystopian band or a band that like traffics in like dystopian lyrics and that kind of thing. And like any good dystopian art, you're describing a world that might exist if we keep going down the road that we're going down, right? And that's what we sing about, you know? And I don't think any of us anticipated that we would be arriving at those destinations as fast as we did. <laughs> you know, it got, things got accelerated a little bit. But when I went back and listened to songs, I was like, oh, yeah, like these cracks in society all were already existed. You know, the pandemic in so many ways just exacerbated them and put pressure on them. These issues were here, you know, but now a lot of them have just been kind of um, amplified. No, absolutely. I, I think one theme that I'm hearing in the record and that also in this conversation, I feel like is is kind of like an underlying theme here is just that you know, when Rise Against started, you and Joe, you guys were, you were kind of kids, you were disillusioned, you were disenchanted, you were the younger generation that now, you know, you're on stage and you're singing to, like you said, the incoming freshmen, you know, how do you process the fact that like, you know, now you're the guy on stage who 20 years ago, 25 years ago was someone else for you. And you're talking to a generation that now is dealing with all this kind of stuff. And you're the voice who's saying like, all right, let me kind of give you some insight on kind of what some of this might mean. Yeah, I mean, I feel very lucky to have that microphone and be able to, like, if we can help somebody along on their journey with some of the things that we've figured out over the last 20 years, some of the things our fans have figured out, then like, that's pretty cool. And then I feel very lucky to have that connection to um, our younger audience to sort of see the world through their eyes, you know, in a way, like, there's this generation has a lot of complaints, you know, they have a lot of uh, fears and anxieties about what tomorrow is going to look like. And they're looking for someone to listen to them. You know, I don't think enough people from like my generation or older are doing enough listening. You know, we do a lot of dismissing, you know, we do a lot of millennial jokes and, and that kind of thing. And this record was my way of like, you know, kind of shutting up and listening, you know, and just like, let's hear what they have to say. And then realizing like, yeah, like, this generation is going through something that um, a lot of previous generations haven't gone through. You know, that we're not looking at upward mobility anymore. We're looking at downward mobility. You know, like I was raised in a time where a single income family could live a middle-class lifestyle. Like, does that still exist now? You know, uh, concentrated wealth was nothing like it is now. The rise of the 1%, you know, environmental degradation, social media, school shootings, you know, all of it. Like they're going through these things that like, we didn't really go through, you know, and to dismiss them as this insult to injury, you know, to say, you know, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out, you know, like they're, they're done hearing that, you know, they're sick of hearing that. So they no longer have a lot of faith and trust in the institutions that are meant to serve them and help them thrive, you know, they're, they're losing that faith. And so I feel like the first step is it just to start listening. Yeah, no, and I think that's obviously a very underlying theme across this record, obviously across the title track, certainly. Switching gears here, just one or two more questions, because I know you got a lot going on right now, but 
the summer tour with the descendants like obviously bill stevenson i mean he's produced god you know i think 40 rise against records at this point right like <laughs> you know yeah. so you obviously have that relationship with him what does it mean to go out on the road with him and that band man really cool I, honestly it started with because uh, the descendants haven't toured since like 97 they've done weekend shows and festivals that kind of thing but they haven't done like back-to-back shows and so we didn't think touring was something that we that they were doing anymore you know and we there were a couple of shows on the tour that we were like hey would you come out and play these two shows with us or come out and play these three shows with us and then bill was like well yeah but what if we just did all of them <laughs> and it's like oh yeah we didn't think that was on the table you know <laughs> and so we jumped at it, you know, we've done shows with the Descendants, like festivals here and there. Um, one show at Long Beach Arena uh, years ago. And so this will be really cool. Like you said, Bill has produced uh, six Rise Against records and done so much work outside of that. It's kind of like our unofficial headquarters out there at his studio. So to be on tour with them will be, I mean, to have your heroes and the Descendants, you know, a band you grew up listening to opening for your band is kind of mind blowing. So Descendants are kind of like, you know, they are the godfathers of, of what we do. I think like the Menzingers who will be there, they're kind of like the next generation of what we all do. And so really, I love that family tree that's like happening on that stage. People get to see it all and it will be fun to be with them. It'll be nerve wracking because Bill is, uh, he's our, he's our instructor. <laughs> so we're performing in front of our coach, <laughs> you know, so if he's watching us, we're all like, oh no, he knows everything, you know? <laughs> well, and you know, final question here, just in general, what, what's your mindset about going back out on the road, being in front of audiences again, getting to get back to, like you said, the best part maybe of what you do, but it's like also the thing that like, that means the cycle starting up again. And, and I guess to add to that really quickly, like, do you think Rise Against is going to go right back to the like, write, record, tour, write, record, tour, or have you kind of taken some, something from the value of having a little bit of a break? Oh, yeah, that's, that will be, therein lies the challenge. Like, I feel like we've all learned lessons in the last year, and now it's about remembering those lessons and taking those lessons into your future. And then if you have figured something out that is helpful to you in your life, like trying really hard to apply that to the next years of your life, lest you get caught back up in the, the treadmill of it all, you know? And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm experiencing that now. Just as I'm looking at my calendar starting to fill as I'm sure we all are, you know, like, oh, <laughs> right. wow. like this is, this is what it was. Like we, there needs to be some sort of happy medium, you know, between the two where I can still have a productive solitude, right. That like we all kind of need, but then also be able to engage meaningfully with the world. Uh, as far as rise against, like, honestly, the States are the only place that, will allow us to tour as of right now you know and so we can't go back into like the treadmill quite yet other countries are not doing tour i talked to a lot of international journalists and they're just nowhere their vaccine rollout is nowhere near what america's is you know right america has fallen behind the curve in so many ways in the last two years but we were very ahead of it as far as like mass vaccine rollout so a lot of countries are still in lockdowns or they are just where we were like six months ago and just getting uh, vaccines to their older people and that kind of thing. So there'll be no European shows like for us this year, um, which is heartbreaking. So like, I think that by design or by necessity, our return to normalcy will be coming like fits and starts, 